0: Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and this year we've been working our way through all the track sessions from last year's National Disciple Making Forum. Today's episode is track session number three, brought to us by Glenn Underhill and Craig Etheridge of Disciple First. And if you haven't heard parts one and two yet, please get back to the last two episodes because they gave some great talks about training up leaders of leaders how to do that, outside the box ways of discipling leaders. It's been great so far. Today's episode is about the leadership pipeline, meaning the cultures and structures that breed good leaders. So if you're somebody working at a church, or even if you're just working at a business and you wanna know about raising up leaders of leaders, you're really going to enjoy and benefit from this episode today. So let's jump in and hear from Glenn and Craig from Disciple First. Here we go.
1: all right good morning morning. Uh, everybody good yeah you look you look alive this morning all right honestly I thought maybe Craig and myself might be looking at each other all by ourselves this morning Uh, and I don't always like to look at him early in the morning so um, kind of a scary thing so hey we're really glad that you're here I hope this conference has been uh, very refreshing for you and that you walk away inspired and, and really encouraged to make and multiply disciples like Jesus uh, I'm I'm excited that you're here in this breakout this morning. Uh, we're continuing to talk about uh, leadership, but not just leadership. We're talking about making disciple-making leaders, uh, because uh, as we've been talking about over the last several sessions, this idea that uh, we don't need more leaders, we need more, we need disciple-making leaders, right? The right kinds of leaders. So uh, I, I hope that this will be a, a continued uh, a great opportunity for your. Uh, just to begin to see things a, a little bit more uh, more big picture oriented uh, as we drill into really some really great things today. I mean, it's going to be very, very cool, lots of nuts and bolts, uh, very practical uh, as you think about growing team leaders. And then our next session, we're going to be talking about even staff or what we would maybe for some of you might be high capacity volunteers that you have. How do we really develop them into disciple making leaders? So... Uh, again, really glad you're here. Let me introduce myself. My name is Glenn Underhill. Uh, I am the executive director for Disciple First. I am also the uh, executive pastor for spiritual development at First Colleyville, uh, where Pastor Craig uh, is the senior pastor. Uh, our organization is committed to doing one thing, and that's to walk with churches and, and ministry leaders to help them make and multiply. Hey, Andy Griffith is here. That's right. That's right. Uh, so our organization is really committed to helping churches and ministry leaders make and multiply disciples like Jesus. Uh, we're just practitioners. Uh, we're we're banging it out just like you in our church at First Colleyville, And a lot of what we're learning and doing there is what we're utilizing uh, through Disciple First as we come alongside churches. Uh, across the United States and around the world. So if there's anything that we can do as an organization to help you as you're thinking about that, we'd love to interact with you. At the end of our session, we'll also let you know that a lot of what we're talking about is uh, a book that we're getting ready to publish uh, that will actually be published the first of next year. We're gonna give you an opportunity to get a free chapter of that book at the end. Uh, We'd love for you to start reading and that'll give you a little bit more uh, of an understanding of all of what we're talking about uh, as we've been kind of working this out in our own model at, uh, at, at First, First Colleyville. So, again, really glad you're here, excited that you're a part of this, and uh, hope that uh, this is a great experience for you. Let me pray, and then we'll invite Pastor Craig to come up. So, Father God, thank you for our morning this morning. So excited to be here with uh, some like-minded leaders who are thinking about how do we make disciple-making leaders like you did Where we love you and are excited about what might lay ahead. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One quick thing before Craig comes, and I just want to remind you, I've said this in the last several sessions, if you look at the life of Jesus, and everything we try to do is to go back to the life of Jesus, say, what was Jesus doing? How did Jesus do that? One of the things that we found is that Jesus, the last six months, last six to nine months of Jesus' life, For most of us, we're not aware of this, but Jesus did not call the 12 until two and a half years into his three-year ministry. So the last six to nine months, possibly, of his ministry, Jesus ramps up into what we call leadership mode. Uh, He really starts developing those 12 and calling them to become leaders of leaders. So a lot of what we're talking about is born out of those last six nine months of Jesus's ministry, public ministry, as he's really developing these 12 into leaders of leaders. All right, Craig? All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you for being here.
2: Like God said, we thought it was just going to be the two of us, so we're super excited to have you here. Uh, How many of you were here uh, in the last session that we did? All right, so that's the majority of you. Some of you are not, so I'm going to give you a... Uh, two-minute recap of the last four hours okay so here we go so what we talked about last time is you have a disciple making pathway all right we looked at that in the life of Jesus and you have a leadership I don't know why I'm writing because nobody can read my handwriting uh, pipeline okay that's going this direction okay and under uh, the disciple making pathway we we had four areas, four, uh, explore, connect, grow, and multiply. Uh, we took this directly from the, the Great Commission, but also uh, as we overlay the life of Jesus on here, we began to see how much time he gave to each one of these uh, areas of development. If you'd like to know more about that, we, we do a, a four-hour training just on the pathway that does a deeper dive, into biblically rooted um, how Jesus moved through the, these steps, and I would encourage you to uh, check that out. From a pipeline standpoint, we talked about four, uh, five areas: leaders of self, leaders of a team, leaders of leaders, leaders of a department, and then leaders of the organization, okay, or senior leaders. <clears throat> and so, what we said yesterday, the big idea that we're setting up is the fact that the preferred trajectory of a disciple-making leader, which is what we're after, that was our session one, that we need disciple-making leaders, is that uh, you don't elevate someone into leadership until they have progressed down the discipleship pathway. Right? That part of the problem we have with many leaders is that they do this. This is what we call an L2. L1 being... Uh, the preferred uh, disciple making leader this is what we're after but many times people they're they're moving down the pathway but they don't continue all the way down it and, and because of their talent their skill their ability they shoot up into high levels of leadership and so what you get are leaders in your church that have never are not disciple makers they've never even been discipled themselves and therefore the church will not multiply Because there's no disciple making DNA in them to cause them to multiply. 95% of Southern Baptist churches never plant a church. Never. Say it another way. Only 5% of Baptist churches ever plant a church. Now, why is that? Why would would uh, you not want to multiply your church? I think a lot of it is because the DNA of the leaders is not to multiply. Yeah. Right, because they don't. Because if you're a disciple maker, you understand investment and release. You do that personally. You do that in groups. You would do that as a church. I think if you have a disciple making culture, uh, spiritual multiplication and church planting will just become a natural outgrowth. That's kind of where we are. We've been working really hard to create a culture of disciple making in our church. We have a lot of people that have multiplied themselves personally to the uh, some to the fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh generation. It's pretty cool. Uh, But we also uh, are, as a church now, moving into church planting. We've planted 12 (laughs) churches over the last three years and um, are are continuing down that route because we believe that's the ultimate outgrowth of of a disciple-making culture. And so if you don't have a multiplying mindset, it's probably because it's not baked into the DNA. And the way that happens is the, the moving down the pathway, Okay. So this is this is where you know many many church leaders are, uh, and the goal here is to have to try to bend them to being a disciple making leader. And the way that you do that is you have to progress them further down the pathway. You have to say, okay, man, I'm here, uh, but I've never really been disciple, nor have I really multiplied my life. And so I have to move them that direction. Now the problem is some L two leaders. Uh, are agreeable to that they're like yeah you know I, I do need that nobody's ever invested in me and I want to do that and they will move this direction others will say you know what uh, I, I don't need to do that I, I've been to seminary man I, I you, haven't you seen my resume you know I'm awesome at what I do what are you saying that I need to develop I don't need to develop it. you know that kind of attitude they're gonna stay right there and it's gonna become problematic okay we did uh, mention that there are there's an L3 option over here, which is a person that they get to multiplication, and they're doing awesome, but they've never been invited up to leadership, recognizing that there are some people here that are not gifted to be leaders, and and they don't need to, and we need a whole lot of people right here, but there may be some that, man, should be elevated into leadership that are either overlooked or are in some way uh, suppressed uh, by L2s. Okay. Oh uh, man, here we go. So so this is this is the reality that we're dealing with. Now this is the big picture. What I've been trying to do the last two sessions is just kind of give you a big philosophical viewpoint. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna do a dive into some very practical stuff. How did Jesus train up his leaders? Okay, how did Jesus as he developed them, train up and build up leaders. Jesus was a disciple maker. He was also a kingdom builder, and so you have to do both. You have to disciple people in your church, but you also have to raise up leaders. I think about Paul and Timothy. Right? Remember when Paul recruits Timothy? The leaders of the church said Timothy was a great guy. That he was a he was he was he had been developed, and he was ready to to be raised up in leadership. This is how the early church raised up leaders. They didn't send them to seminary, they developed them in the church. Now, I, I teach a course at Southwestern Seminary, so I'm not anti seminary. All right, don't hear me say that. But if we, I don't think that served us well is in, as um, you know, outsourcing the development of leaders. I think leaders should be developed within the church. And, uh, and so we have to have a game plan for that. So what I want to do today is obviously I can't go through how Jesus developed in all five stages because I only have two sessions, all right? And so I'm just going to pick two that I think will be helpful to you, and then uh, obviously uh, once the book comes out, then we'll we'll dive into all of them. But what I want to do today or in this session is I want to talk about how Jesus developed uh, team leaders. Okay, how Jesus developed team leaders. So we're to, that's what we're going to look at uh, right now. Uh, team leaders are important in every church, and your church is filled with team leaders. No matter the size of the church, your church is filled with <clears throat> team leaders. They kind of set the environment. They can make it very hostile and negative. They can make it wonderful and awesome. And really, the, the, the members of your church are served first by team leaders. Um, they, these are the the people that are, have the hands-on ministry uh, every single day. So let me give you a little definition. A team leader is a volunteer uh, who leads a team of people to accomplish multiple ministry tasks. Uh, team leaders, most I, I say volunteers, it's most mostly volunteers in churches. They're mostly volunteers uh, who lead a team of people to accomplish. Uh, multiple ministry tasks. So you have team leaders all throughout your church. Every small group is led by uh, a team leader. Every prayer team is led by a team leader. Every um, worship team is led by a team leader. Every creator, usher, deacon, they're all led by team leaders. They're all led by volunteers um, that work in this way. These leaders uh, are, like I said, primarily volunteers. So uh, sometimes uh, not, but for the most part they are. Usually they, these team leaders run any size team from two people to, to 10 or, or more, uh, but typically uh, two to 10, 15 uh, would be probably the size of it. The, the function here of a team leader is that makes them different than a self leader is that you're not now just volunteering Uh, and serving, you're now leading a team of volunteers that are serving. Uh, You say, Craig, that's brilliant. You know, that's so (laughs) rocket science. Yeah, I I know, Uh, but stay with me. So what that means is that the team leader needs to have a little bit of a different skill than someone who's just serving on a team. Would you agree with that? Uh, Because now, if you're just serving on a team, your goal goal is to fill up these coffee cups. It's to do this function. But a team leader gets the work done through the team, not by doing it themselves. That's a big shift. Now you have to do it through a team, not just doing it yourself. I remember a young man that was in our church. Great guy. Man, very friendly. Everybody liked him. uh, And we brought him on to lead some teams. He was very evangelistic. And man, he would go out and share the gospel and spend a lot of time doing that. And you know, we really appreciate that. And we said, we need you to lead a team of people to do that. And I'm telling you, there was a disconnect because he could go out and share, but he had no idea how to show somebody else how to do that. You ever known people like that? And so they're a great doer, but not so great a leader of, Of showing people how to do and and so I that's my my uh, example here of of a team leader is their first step in learning to lead people not just doing the work themselves and so therefore team leaders really have to um, have to grow in this skill Right. They have you have to, to train them up from a skill level and say, hey, you know, I don't need you just to do the coffee cups. I need you to mobilize and inspire and encourage your team to do that because we can do more with the team than we can just with you as an individual. And that—that's a little dial in their head that they've got to get through. Because if they don't, they'll never grow as a leader until they start it right there. Almost every leader started at some point leading a team, right? Just think about your experience. At some point you had—you could maybe think back to the first team that you led. But uh, there are some skills that are necessary for a team leader. I'm going to list some of these off. Don't try to write these down because it's like twelve of them or fourteen of them. But just kind of take it in, okay? Uh, good team leaders, you know, they organize the work uh, for the team, but bad team leaders are disorganized and frantic, right? Uh, good team leaders invite input and, and, look, and desire input. Bad team leaders think their way is the only way and will not listen. Uh, good team leaders delegate clearly and appropriately, but bad team leaders just do the job themselves. They're, they're being doers, not being leaders. Uh, good team leaders inspire a team. Bad team leaders create a hostile environment. Uh, good team leaders take responsibility for problems and fix them. Boy, that's a great one right there. Don't you love it when team leaders do that? Hey, I'll take care of it. No worries. Uh, bad team leaders make excuses. Well, it's not my fault. It's so-and-so's fault. You know, uh, we don't like that necessarily. Uh, good, good, <laughs> good. Team leaders care about their team members. Uh, bad team leaders uh, only care about the job. Okay. Um, uh, a couple more here. Uh, good team leaders observe and offer feedback. Uh, bad team leaders just criticize with no solutions. We have a lot of those folks around, don't we? Uh, good team leaders cast vision of why this work is important. Uh, bad team leaders think small. Um, uh, good team leaders appreciate the team. Bad team leaders never satisfied. Good team leaders confront issues head on. Uh, bad team leaders avoid conflict. I've got stories for every one of these guys. Uh, good team leaders <laughs> encourage the team spiritually. You know, Bad team leaders uh, ignore spiritual issues. Uh, good team leaders uh, evaluate team members uh, uh, to leadership or elevate team members to leadership roles. They're trying to always raise up people behind them. Uh, Bad team leaders just hold people down. And uh, so I think we all have uh, probably experienced to some degree uh, good and bad team leaders. And so it's really important that we develop those leaders. i tell you what, probably the greatest uh, challenge in churches, and I'm I'm number one uh, guilty of this, is that we we recruit somebody to lead the team. We may show them how to do the job that we're asking them to do, and then we're off to something else. And so we don't really develop and cultivate these team leaders. And, And honestly, the gold in your church that you can mine out for elevated leaders is probably at your team leader level. These volunteers that you just allowed to do a function but if you just cultivated them a little bit if you nurture them a little bit if you if you invest in them a little bit then they might become a leader of uh leaders and then they might come on your staff team you know or they may become a church planter and so um and, and they this is really where you want to mine out uh the 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 gold of leadership so Again, we're going kind to of, kind of we're focusing here on what did Jesus do in developing these leaders. Now, there's a lot of skill. There's some skill elements there, that as I mentioned, that you want to talk to team leaders about, uh, just the skill of the function of leading the team, the coffee team, the the golf cart team, or whatever the team is. There's some you know skill needed in in running that team, but but. I want to show you how Jesus developed, and this is really in the connect phase that we see Jesus starting to develop uh, some principles in his team leads. And so uh, let me give you let me give you about four things here that Jesus did, and then after we cover these, then um, then we're gonna we're gonna have time for debrief, okay, and, and talk this out together. So let me give you a couple things. Number one, how did Jesus develop these team leaders? Uh, the first thing Jesus did was he cast vision, and I mentioned this briefly yesterday, but uh, it is absolutely vital to cast vision to your team leaders. They need a proper vision uh, of how their team needs to be led, uh, but they also need to know how their team contributes to the overall mission of the church. I may be filling coffee cups on Sunday Uh, I need some vision for why coffee cups matter you know obviously the Spirit of God can't move without coffee Uh, so uh, but but I also need to say hey you're not just filling coffee cups what you're doing is creating a warm environment for guests so that when they come in the door they immediately feel welcomed and people will open up and talk with a cup of coffee in their hand much better than they will without one. And so you're creating this environment for guests to feel warm and welcome and cared for. How cool is that, right? And so you're just raising the, the vision of their task and, and assigning purpose and greater vision to it. And, and you really uh, see Jesus doing this in a great way. Jesus was the ultimate vision caster. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, Jesus is in transition. Uh, John the Baptist has been put in prison, and so now the spotlight is on Jesus. There's a vacuum of leadership. John has been the one drawing the massive crowds. Jesus has been pretty much running under the radar of John's public ministry for the last 18 months, all right? Uh, But now John the Baptist is put in prison, there's a vacuum of leadership, (laughs) and Jesus emerges now as the focal point of the movement, and he will forever stay the focal point of the movement. Uh, I like to say the curtain comes down on John, and the the spotlight sets on Jesus. And from this point forward, he is the, the movement leader. And so Jesus did a couple of things in this point in time. He moved his base of ministry from Nazareth to Capernaum. Capernaum was right along the Uh, The Via Maris, the the major international highway uh, there, Uh, it was right above uh, the Sea of Galilee, so it was a more populated area. They had synagogues there. Basically, he moved from small town to big town uh, is what happened. Uh, He also begins preaching and teaching uh, repentance, the same message of John the Baptist. Um, Also, he begins to call his leadership team. And so Jesus has already been uh, working with guys during this explore phase for about 18 months. But now he is going to start calling these guys up to himself. And so we find this in Matthew 4, 18 and 19, um, where Jesus came by the Sea of Galilee. And then he said these words, "Uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All right. Just context, Jesus has already been interacting with these guys for about 18 months, so it's not the first time that they've interacted with Jesus. Um, but he's calling them up to a higher level of commitment. And verse 20 says this, Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now what's interesting to me is not that Jesus called them up to greater levels of commitment, but how Jesus called them up to greater levels of commitment and he didn't walk by and say, you guys need to be more committed, right? What he said was, uh, you follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Basically, I would put it in Craig Craig version. Uh, You guys have been given your whole life to catching fish. In fact, your dad gave his whole life to catching fish, and your granddad gave his whole life to catching fish. But what if God has a bigger vision for your life than just catching fish? What if God's vision for your life was something greater than you could ever imagine? That your life could be catching people. See, this greater vision is what Jesus was so good at casting. Uh, And because of that, he drew men to him. And so uh, you think think about this. I think he tapped into something that every one of us wants, and that is we want to make a difference with our life. Every single one of us want to be sure that we make a difference we don't want our life to just not matter we want to leave an impact we want to uh, make a difference and i think that desire is hidden inside the heart of every person Uh, that everybody wants to make a difference in their life and and so um, calling out that and saying hey uh you're made for more (laughs) you're made for more uh, the God's got a big vision for your life. I see in you something great that God could call out and God could use in an incredible way. Just think about what if somebody spoke that into your life, how revolutionary that would be. And so one of the things that Jesus does here is he starts to call out greater vision. So I, I think with your team leaders, what you they need to know is that they are making an eternal difference. What they need to know is that God's got a bigger vision for their life than even pouring up coffee. That's where we're starting, but, but even there's greater things that God can do and wants to do in and through them uh, and that they have an influence on this team. Um, so it's really just important for you to draw back and cast a lot of vision. So if you are leading some teams uh, at your church or you have team leaders in your church, You've got to find some way to speak into them and cast vision to them and, and see who pops. You know, we call them poppers in our church. And, you know, I don't know how to explain that other than when you speak to something like that to somebody and they're like, yeah, maybe I am made for more. You know, maybe, maybe I could, you know, you see it in their eyes and and you're, you're pulling them up to a higher level. And what you'll find is that some will want to take that next step and someone wants them to believe in them all right jesus did a great job of doing that. that's the first thing jesus did in in this area of development uh, The second thing that you could do uh, is you need to get them out of the building get them out of the building now i i didn't, I didn't put any scripture references here on the screen uh, but basically this is luke chapter 4 and luke chapter 5. Uh, after Jesus says, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, he leads them now out on in Luke chapter 4 and Luke chapter 5, six what we call fishing expeditions. This is Dan's Fader language. Dan is the one that trained us. And um, he leads them out on these fishing expeditions for people. All right. For example, uh, he he first fished for men in the synagogue when he cast out a man that was demon possessed. All right. In Luke 4 31 through 37. The next. Um, They fish for men by caring for the sick and the hurting. He he healed Peter's mother-in-law, and then the whole town comes out. And and he has a healing uh, time of ministry there in Luke 4, 38 through 41. At this point, there's this interlude, and Jesus takes his team on a brief mission trip, uh, preaching and touring through some local villages. Then he comes back. The third fishing trip is found in Luke 5, 1 through 11, where there's this miraculous catch of fish. And Jesus recasts the vision to Peter follow me and he leaves everything to follow Jesus. There's more to that story We don't have time to get into it right now Uh, Fishing trip number four is healing the leper in Luke 5 12 through 16 fishing trip number five is healing the paralytic where they him through the ceiling in Luke 5 17 through 26 and the final one is the call of Matthew in Luke 5 27 through 32 so Uh, In every one of these cases Jesus is moving them out. Now. Here's what Jesus did not do Jesus did not say Okay, guys, you know, uh, I want you to follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. So here's what we're gonna do We're gonna meet at the synagogue once a week For two, uh, you know for for a couple of years. We're gonna go through some scrolls And and then at the end of that then you'll be trained. All right. He he did not do that. What did he do? Let's go (laughs) Let's go I remember training some when I uh, disciple guys on evangelism. Uh, we get to this one part in, in the book where we're training on how to have conversations. And so uh, I will wait till they all arrive, and I'll say, hey, guys, we're going on road trips. Everybody jump in my truck, so We all get in the truck, and we drive. They don't know. Where, I said, where are we going? Uh, we'll find out when we get there. And so they don't have any idea where we're So I pull up to a, uh, a homeless shelter that we work with on a regular basis, and they serve uh, lunch and dinner every day. And so I pull up in the parking lot, and they're like, where are we? And I'm like, well, here's where we are. We're at this uh, shelter, and we're gonna go in there, and we're gonna serve a meal to all the families that come. And then after we serve the meal, uh, we're gonna sit down and eat the meal with them, and we're going to have some awesome spiritual conversation. The things that I just taught you, we're going to actually put into practice and we're going to debrief on the way home. And usually their eyes are about this big, right? And they're like, what? You know, so it's gonna be great. I pray for them, let's go. And so we get out there and so I'm walking in, then usually are very timid at the beginning because they've never really been to this place. They don't know what it's like. And I just roll up my sleeves and I start working. I said, like, come on guys. And so they start doing it. Then we sit down and they'll hear me having spiritual conversations and they start to have spiritual conversations. And by the end of the evening, when we get in the car and we're headed back home, they're like, that was awesome. That was so cool, man, I got to share this and I got to see that. And I heard you talk about Jesus to that guy and what was that like? And you start having this pinball of conversation happening there because they are out of the building and they're now seeing God at work in and through them. That is powerful. And so one of the things you need to do with your team leaders, is by investing, not just cast vision, but these are the ones you need to be taking with you on, uh, you know, mission trips. You need to take them with you into the community. If you're doing community projects, you need to focus on your team leaders. getting. Yeah, you want volunteers. That's important, but your team leaders are the beginning parts of developing leaders in your church. So you want to start with them. Take them with you. Let them see it. Take them to a homeless shelter. Take them uh, serving your local community. uh, Take them on a mission trip. Man, the best people to take on a mission trip or your team leaders because they will start to pop they'll start to see God moving through them and that will give them a hunger for greater influence right and greater levels of leadership
0: Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. Then we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple-making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website. It's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today.
2: I think about Zach. We mentioned Zach yesterday. Zach was uh, one of the guys that actually rose to leadership by following this trajectory. Uh, and and as he uh, grew in disciple-making uh, in his pathway, he was being slowly elevated into different areas of leadership in the church. But one of the key uh, elements of that was that Glenn took him to Zambia. And they went to Zambia together and they were ministering there and uh, making disciples uh, right there in Zambia. And uh, Glenn, at one point, they were outside. He said, man, Check this out. Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations. And guess what we're doing right now? That's what we're doing. And it was like, click. You know, this light comes on. Uh, so, your team leaders, one of the best things you can do is speak vision into them and get them out of the building. All right? Just take them with you. All right? Let me give you a couple more here. Number, number three. Y'all with me? Still with me? Still with All me. right. Trying trying to make this uh, practical. All right. Number three. Take them deeper. Take them deeper. Another step here in, in this phase of ministry. It seemed that as the busier Jesus got, the more he spent time to uh, to spend with the Father. Uh, took time to spend with the Father. Mark chapter 1, 35 through thirty-nine. Uh, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. And Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. We got crowds, we got business to tend to, right? And he said to them, let us go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. And he went into all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out uh, demons Why is this important jesus is modeling for his men this important principle that to go deep you have to uh, you must go deep before you go wide okay you have to go deep in order to go wide and um, this is an important principle they need to learn hey if you really want a breadth of ministry it starts with a depth uh, of ministry and so uh, jesus modeled for them the importance of going deep and uh, the deep things are what allows you to build a foundation spiritually for you to build on for greater influence and leadership this is the problem with many leaders right is that they don't have the depth right they haven't progressed down this way uh, enough to have a, a solid spiritual foundation so when they they go up in leadership they're tottering on a On a a faulty foundation and and this is why many leaders fall and so to cultivate this team leader you say hey you need to go deep deeper in your walk with God Uh, this is why we really think that this is an opportunity for you to move them from the connect phase to the growth phase and, and by discipling them and taking them through your discipleship tools that you have you know for us it's the growth series for whatever tool your church is using you need to have one and you need to initiate that and start to disciple uh, your uh, team leaders chuck swindoll wrote this and a pastor came up to him at one point in a conference and the pastor said quote i am operating on fumes i am lonely hollow shallow and enslaved to a schedule that never lets up that's what this pastor said to swindoll And he wrote uh, in response to that he said as a result of my observations uh, uh, and that recent encounter specifically I decided to do some serious thinking and reading and praying my journal became an anvil on which most of my private thoughts were hammered out thankfully I have had the time to let those thoughts linger and spawn other thoughts that drove me deeper until I arrived at the heart of what seems to be the core issue a lack of intimacy Pure and simple, that best defines the problem—an <clears throat> absence of intimacy with the Almighty. Involvement, yes, but intimacy, no. Activities and programs of plenty, but no intimacy. And I think that that's—that is certainly true for so many people. Um, Jesus would revisit this theme again at the end. Of his time with his disciples. Right on the night before he died, uh, under the uh, the moonlit sky, Jesus would pass through a vineyard and he would say these words I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, right? Uh, Because uh, you can do nothing without me. This idea of deepening your walk with me allows greater fruitfulness and productivity. Uh, your team leaders, think about if they learn this then, right? Jesus introduced these things early on with his team leaders. He was beginning to help them understand that their depth of uh, walk with God will help them produce greater results in the future. So they need to grow. Your team leaders, man, they need vision. They need you to take them out, they need to experience the power of God. At work, but they also need you to spiritually invest in them, or somebody to spiritually invest in them. It may not be you, all right? You may be the pastor, really, who needs to be doing this, or the leaders of these team leads. These are, these are the ones that would be uh, casting vision and multiplying, discipling them. Uh, but uh, it is important that 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 you or someone invest in them spiritually in this way. Uh, let me give you uh, one more, okay? One more, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Uh, we got plenty of time here and that is uh, fourthly uh, to Jesus and your team your team leads need to cultivate a shepherd's heart They need to cultivate a shepherd's heart Jesus uh, cultivated and identified what a shepherd's heart looks like to these men even in this early stage uh, Jesus had multiple in this in this phase right here Jesus had multiple conflicts with Pharisees multiple conflicts and I'm not going to go through all of them, but I will highlight one of them. At one point, this is found in Mark chapter 3, the Pharisees were looking to get rid of Jesus, and so they knew he was a sucker for a hurting person. So they knew Jesus was going to be at the synagogue, so they put a, a man with a shriveled hand uh, right there in the synagogue. And of course, uh, they knew that this was, this man was really bait right, for Jesus. Uh, they thought, oh, we can get him to heal this man uh, and he'll break the Sabbath and we have another charge against him. And of course, Jesus uh, saw the man and saw the situation and knew what was happening. And so Jesus stood up the man in the crowd. Mark 3, verse 4 says, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? Jesus asking the crowd, uh, what is right? He's got this guy right here. And uh, no one said a word. They were silent. And this is what we we'll read in verse 5. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, uh, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. You know what grieved Jesus? What disturbed him? was the fact that these religious leaders had lost a heart mm. for people. and They didn't care about this guy. They, they had no compassion that he, that he probably couldn't work, he couldn't earn a living, he had to go his whole life uh, in this uh, terrible state, and they, they just simply had no compassion. And they'd lost a heart of a shepherd. And listen, that can happen with all of us, right? just in the busyness of getting work done and, and, and frustrations of things that we hope that would produce results did not produce results and, and conflict with people within our own church, uh, these things can harden our heart. And we kind of forget why we got in the ministry in the first place, right? It becomes a job instead of a, um, a privilege to shepherd people. And, and er, even early in this stage here, Jesus is modeling for them the importance of being a shepherd. In fact, later on, he would revisit this in John chapter 10, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, on that day that he healed that man, he realized that ultimately that was going to cost him his life, right? That, that this him choosing to do this on the Sabbath was just another um, accusation against him that would ultimately culminate in the cross. But he said that's what shepherds do. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds put people above themselves. And shepherds care for them. Hirelings run when things uh, get difficult. Hirelings consider you know, what's in it for them, right? Shepherds stay. Shepherds care for. Shepherds protect. And shepherds put others over themselves. And so Jesus is... is is culminating or uh, or cultivating this uh, in the hearts of his team leaders so as you develop team leaders there's certainly a need for skill training they're, they need to be trained on how to do the job you're asking them to do. They need to be trained on how to build a team, how to recruit a team. You know things that that initial team leads need to know, right? Organization, delegation, communication, coaching, feedback. These are all things that a team lead needs to know. But it's interesting. Jesus went deeper than that. And what he really went to is the heart of being a shepherd. Right. Jesus saw these guys as the early development stages. They're not doing a whole lot of ministry at this point, but they are they're learning a lot about the heart of Jesus and the heart of being a shepherd. Uh, He's casting vision. He's modeling compassion. He's helping them to take great steps of faith. Uh, He's telling them to deepen their walk with God and, and and telling them and showing them how to care and put others above themselves, which is the crux of a heart of a disciple-making leader, okay? So with that in mind, I think what you want to do is you want to uh, to encourage your team leaders to be mirroring the life and the compassion and the heart of Jesus, even as they lead their coffee team, right? Even as they lead their prayer team or they lead their greeter team, that these are the people that you want to just invest in in these specific things, because these were the things that Jesus thought was important at that phase okay how cool how cool would that be if all your team leaders were trained in these things that have the heart of Jesus in them do you think any of those would pop up and want to be leaders of, 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 of leaders at that point probably so okay all right so uh, it's time to ask Glenn questions this is the time in the session I loves when Glenn gets to answer questions all right Glenn come on up here all right. Glenn is, is, uh, uh, he is leading divisional leaders that lead leaders of leaders, that lead team leaders, so all the problems bubble up to this guy, right? That's right, absolutely. Um, So, Glenn, which of these elements, uh, as we've kind of been going through them, this idea of casting vision, this idea of taking them deeper, um, having the heart of a shepherd, um, which one of these uh, stands out to you as
1: most important maybe for, for some of the teams and leads that we have right now in our church. So for me, the two probably that are most important is vision <laughs> casting, the vision casting piece. Uh, I don't want people to get an idea that I'm using them to fill a specific task. I want them to understand they're getting to be a part of what God's doing and they're getting to be a part of a kingdom agenda plan. And for me, it's saying, hey, I we see a redemptive potential in you and the fact that you're going to get an opportunity to be this preferred picture of what, what Jesus wants for you. And you're on a journey to something more significant than you're doing right now. So vision is probably my biggest one uh, that we work a lot with on our team. And our leads pushing down is saying, man, Cast that vision, cast that vision over and over and over. And then the last one is that, probably that last one we talked about, the shepherd's heart. Uh, We really want to grow a shepherd heart. uh, Not that all four of those aren't important, but that shepherd piece, because when I start to see a guy or a gal that really is developing a shepherd's heart, I know they're ready for the next stage in leadership. Uh, Because I, know that the, the, that their character and their competency is beginning to really uh, look more and more like Jesus. And they're ready to kinda of go to that next stage. Uh, because now they're starting to focus off of themselves and they're beginning to have a heart for others. Uh, and when one of the things we talk a lot about in our pathway, even amongst our leaders, uh, when we do our leadership academy, is as people are walking through the pathway it starts with I in the explore phase. It moves from I to me in the connect phase, because a lot of it's about me, and, if you stay, and it's okay, because you're growing and developing, but we don't want them to stay there. When they move to the, the grow phase, it starts to become about we, but when they get to the multiply, it's all about others, and that is where, man, the just the enormity of, of real life gets to be lived at its fullest. Yeah. So, well, um,
2: that's really important, right, uh, that person turns from being inward focused to caring for others, and that's part of that shepherd's heart uh, idea and casting vision. So um, uh, part of, one of the things we talked about Jesus doing is taking them deeper. What, what does that look like? Uh, let's say you've got a team leader that's running a small team. Uh, how, how do you take that team leader
1: deeper? What does that look like? Um, in, in your Yes, yeah, so for us, some of the deeper aspects are we want to know about what's, we want to know what's going underneath the hood. So we're, we're looking on the inward part of the hood and finding out, hey, what's going on inwardly and, and what areas can we help develop in terms of your, your character on a deeper level? Uh, and how can we help uh, to grow that really well, uh, which creates lots of opportunities for engagement and conversation. Can I just say again, making disciples is not a classroom oriented thing. Uh, I said it again in the last session, I'll keep saying it again, it's really about life on life relationship and learning to ask a lot of great questions. Uh, Another thing deeper wise is uh, I wanna help them to start thinking about other people and knowing where other people on their team are. You might have some small group leaders who Man, all they think about is I got I to gotta lead a small group tonight. I got to lead a small group tonight. I got to get my let, I got to you know get ready, I got to prepare and blah 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 and we're like I mean that's, that's, that's important. But do you realize the significance that you're playing amongst the, 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 the spiritual trajectory that sits in the room that you're, you're shepherding right now? Do you know where those people are in your group? Are, are you helping them to think about their next steps? It is so much greater than you just getting up and teaching a lesson, or leading a small group, or facilitating a small group lesson, or this or that. You are helping the spiritual trajectory of others in that group. And so that's a deeper piece, is how can, I, how can we help you think at a deeper level of, of really that, of how you're gonna help people take a next step? Because we say this constantly. The goal is not to have a menu-oriented church, but to have a map-oriented church. We want to create a map to help you go from being uh, from being far from God to becoming a fully trained disciple. We want to give you a map of how to get there, not to offer you a menu. Because if you're like, how many? I don't. If you go to a restaurant and you have a menu, we were at a a restaurant last night eating, and, and sometimes it's overwhelming. So you just start kind of picking and choosing and hoping we will not make disciples or grow up disciple-making leaders having a menu because you'll just move from one piece to the other but if you create a map and give people a destination and point them to something greater and let them know that as they cooperate with the holy spirit the word of god and the people of god great things happen
0: great
2: all right so let's uh let's talk about this for a little bit we've we've been just talking about how you develop team leaders so what questions come to your mind that you're wanting to know about? yes help me just visualize what it's like for uh, someone on a team or a team leader so uh, a team leader would be part of a connect group mm-hmm. that's different and then part of this team and then maybe part of a growth group so would they be in three different things at the same time uh, it's a possibility. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. Normally at this phase, you you don't, you don't wouldn't elevate someone to be a team leader until they have at least stepped into this connect phase, which means they have given their life to Jesus, right? And that they're in the church and they're in a group, uh, they're in a connect group of some kind. So you want them at least at that level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, volunteers can even be pre-Christian, and we, we encourage that. but Uh, Man, if someone's gonna be a leader of a team, we want them to know Jesus and be a part of our church. Um, That's kind of a no-brainer, but I've seen people elevate, people even in a team leads that should not be there. And then it's very awkward to tell them they can't do that. Um, Trust me, we just had a conversation like that and it wasn't wasn't pretty. So, that being said, yes, they're in the context of uh, church life, and they're saying, hey, I want to volunteer. So sometimes that volunteerism happens on Sunday morning. That's, that's one of the easiest team leads. And we have a lot of teams that operate just on Sunday morning. You know, they're gonna they're gonna volunteer an hour in the kids area and they're gonna lead a team, you know, in the nursery, or they're gonna lead as a, a breeder, a team team of breeders or something like that. So a lot of those happen.
0: Because I'm, I'm looking types. at time
2: and especially young families just say, like, oh, I don't have any time to serve, yeah. I don't have time to be a part of a group. It, right, you know, it's luck for us to get here once or twice a month to, to worship you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I you will. That's that's the case with all of us. Uh, but I think that goes back to if they're not serving and they're not in a group, then they're they're just barely in this phase if they know Jesus and they join the church. But I think that's when you're you're recruiting people to volunteer. You're trying to engage people in volunteerism. And then once they've served as a volunteer, then you see those that have
1: opportunity to step up into serving as a team lead. That's who can, we're talking about. Can I just real quick? Yeah. It's, it is something we will always be working on. But one of the things that I was deeply challenged, a man who made a huge impact in my life, Bill Hull, used to always say, never be afraid to ask for, for commitment. Jesus never shied away from asking someone to take more commitment. Um, Great book, and this is just, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I don't know if you've ever read Bill Hull. He's written many books, Jesus Christ Disciple Maker, Disciplemaking Church, Disciplemaking Pastor, but his most brilliant work of all the books he's written is called Building High Commitment in a Low Commitment World. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go out and get it because it, it talks a lot about this idea that we are living in a culture that says hey low commitment is is what everybody's saying but the truth is is that we're just not challenging them uh, in an appropriate way and how to do that like Jesus did it and and if people understand what is at stake and the joy of what's coming on the other side Uh, you can begin to cast vision to help them understand and and be willing to give out greater amounts of commitment. People ask, tell us all the time, there's no way you have guys that are, you know, in a grow group and a connect group and leading, and we're like, yeah, we we see it all the time. And and they're living high, I mean, we live in an area where we got uh, lots of high execs, and they're putting in 60 hours, 70 hours a week, but they're giving away their life to doing Things that they love that they believe are more significant than what they're doing in their daytime job. So I know it can happen, uh, I've seen it happen, I've watched it happen, and the one of the things that always captures my attention is that Jesus always asked his disciples to reorder their priorities. And that's the constant as you're moving people through, it's that constant challenge of helping them to think about how can I help you reorder your priorities? Because if you're gonna live a life of significance, uh, it takes a reordering of our priorities. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Fine, the man that discipled me, used to say, Glenn, I don't ever wanna hear any questions about your time because when you gave your life to Jesus, it went away from being your time to being his time. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, that has really resonated with me all these years of my life. Now, I'm careful to not say that all the, to certain people as they're walking through, but as I'm pushing guys down this line as they get further down here those are the kind of those are the kind of conversations that we're having I'm, I'm not saying that to a person down here but i am starting to say it as they're moving down the down the pathway okay one more question and then we're going to
2: break because uh, we're coming up on that
1: in leadership development cultures there's it seems to lean
2: one of two ways if you're developing leaders it tends to be they're really pragmatic skills based you know ceo type of things reading different books or merely on the spiritual spectrum, shepherd's heart, praying, all this, type of thing. How do you balance the tension? There's elements of both that you want, I think. Yeah. How do you balance the tension? What advice would you have if you're in a very pragmatic yes. leadership development culture right yeah. now? Yeah, so I think that's great. What, what I'm proposing in, in this work is you have to do both. There There are skill elements, there are learning leadership nuts and bolts that are pragmatic, that we can learn from, from secular sources that I think are helpful. Um, but we many times people do that to the neglect of yeah. what Jesus did in that stage. And so what we're trying to show you is what did, what were the things Jesus thought was important at this stage. What are the things Jesus thought were important in this stage, and to be sure that you uh, integrate that into the heart of your leaders. So what we're going to do, our time is up. What we're going to do is next session I'm going to deal with uh, leaders of departments basically this is staff people if you've ever had problems with staff i know probably none of y'all have ever had problems with that but we're going to talk about this and i'm telling you this is where uh we're going to we're going to be really honest and open about how to challenge staff members
1: at this level if there's any way disciple first can help you come alongside you as leaders please let us know we'd be happy to even have a a 30 minute consultation, free consultation to help in any way possible we can as you're moving forward to make and multiply disciples like Jesus, all right? Thank you, have a great day and hopefully we'll see you back here at session four.
0: That's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening in. And the next episode is gonna be the last track session from Disciple First from last year's forum. And uh, so you're going to want to make sure you stick around and catch that episode that'll be dropping here in a couple of days. That brings up a really good point. If you like these podcasts, I want to ask you to hit subscribe so that you can stay up to date every time I release a new podcast episode. And while you're at it, go on over to discipleship.org collective and sign up for a free account because it's a pretty amazing online community there. All right. Take care. Have a great day and stay safe.